Hey, good morning. You know, space is really important. And the more important you are, it seems the more important space is. I had a job, I was working for a rental car company at the Portland airport uh, for a while. I was in the parking garage. I don't know if you know about parking garages, but they don't have the world's best acoustics. They're kind of loud places. And planes are rather loud, especially fighter planes. Those guys are loud on a whole different level than your average commercial airplane. And when they go by, because there's a military base down there, you can't hear yourself think, let alone have a conversation with one of the customers. Now, on one particular day, those fighter jets were all over the place. And the reason was someone important was coming to visit Portland. His name was President Obama. And when the president goes somewhere, space is rather important. He doesn't have the luxury of hopping in his car and driving down to, say, 7-Eleven for a Slurpee anytime he wants. When he goes somewhere, an entire organizational machine has already been in action for a long time. See, before he arrives anywhere, Secret Service agents have been there three months ahead of time to prepare his way. And they go and they find people who might be a threat to the president, and they warn them, like, we're watching you. You be really careful what you do these next several months because the president is coming to town. And they bring in the bomb-sniffing dogs. They notify the hospitals in the area because the president should never be further than 10 minutes away from a trauma hospital. And they bring an extra plane just in case the president needs it. Not Air Force One, just, just an additional one. And that doesn't count the additional six airplanes full of stuff that come when the air president travels somewhere. Like thousands of people are involved anytime this guy wants to go anywhere and space is really important. And so they shut down the highways. When Obama was here, they closed 84 and he had the luxury of driving on 84 with no traffic in the wrong direction. I want to do that someday, just once but I'm not president. And, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't get to go through the front of most buildings. They usher him in securely through the back, through the loading dock, through the kitchens. If he's staying in a hotel, everyone in the hotel has been background checked. And in fact, if he's staying in a hotel, they book all of the f rooms on his level, all of the rooms on the level above and below. You can't get within even a floor of the president of the United States because space is so important. When they go into his room, they, they take all the security uh, threats away. All the electronics are gone. All the telephones are gone. They pull the artwork off the walls and they check between the picture and the frame to see if there's any bugging devices there. You know, and, and when he's speaking, space is important. So there's three levels of, of, of guards set up because there are those kinds of people who shouldn't be close to the president. So you have the police line, and then you have the secret service line, and then you have the inner presidential guard line, because he's an important kind of person, so important that space is a priority. And even his food, they bring his food in from elsewhere. They fly it in, and it's prepared by his people underneath the scrutiny of his security guards. Like, space is really, really important. And if it's important for the President of the United States, how much more important might space be for God? 
In the Bible, the, the Bible uses the term for God, it, it's holy. God is holy. And it's a word that means separate, set apart, distinct, removed. He's, he's unique and he's special. And God's holiness cannot coexist with human sin. Because we, we die in the, in the presence of the holiness of God. Because we don't belong there. God is like, like the sun that gives light and life. And when he shows up, we all get really happy. Like this week when our friend made his appearance in the sky, everyone in Portland was feeling happy about it. But we're also really glad that that burning ball of fiery fury is 93 million miles that way. Because if we were closer to it, we, we would burn. Like God's holiness is like the sun. We have to be careful how close we get because we're not the kind of people that can be in his presence. Or as Isaiah says, our sins have separated us from God. But now comes Jesus. Jesus, who has been sent by the Father on mission to bring sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim good news to the poor, and to announce the acceptable year of God's favor. And we're going to be in a new section of Luke. We, we have finished chapters 1 through 4, which is really like the sending off, the start of Jesus' mission and his ministry. And in the next four chapters, Jesus is going to be gathering this ragtag team of people to follow him. He's going to be gathering disciples, a word that means learners, followers. And the question remains, what kind of people get to be close to Jesus? Because he's someone important. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. I, I welcome you if you have a Bible to open it. Um, or you can read with me on the screen. Now, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's another word for the Sea of Galilee, uh, same place, two different names, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And, and he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They got into one, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to, to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. He needed a little bit of space. <laughs> people are crowding in. Like, all right, let's make some distance. Okay, and now he can teach everyone at once. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, uh, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Which is, fishermen speak for, uh, Jesus, it's the wrong time of day to catch fish. It's nighttime. There's no fish here. We know we tried. <laughs> We're exhausted. Kind of the wrong people, the wrong time, the wrong place. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter's going to listen to Jesus. He's going to do what Jesus asks. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Like these disciples, they are overwhelmed with fish. They have so many fish, their boats are overwhelmed almost with water. This is crazy. What just happened? And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
Jesus, I see something in you that is so good and so important and so special that you should make some space between us. I don't deserve to have you around. I'm not good enough for you. Because he and the companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. This, we, we don't have a frame of reference for this other than I know, Jesus, that you're too good for me. You, you should leave me because I'm a sinner. But Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the same words the angels were announcing to people all throughout Luke. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Peter, I have news for you. Believe it or not, I'm not put off by your sins. Believe it or not, you're you're my kind of person. Believe it or not, I have a job for you. I'm going to transform your life and I'm going to use you for a purpose. You're going to go fish for people and throughout the rest of Luke and Acts, we're going to see what Jesus means by that. And so when they pulled their boats up on shore, they left everything and they followed him. Like these fishermen just had the largest economic stimulus package of their life. They had never caught this many fish before. This was the catch uh, of generations. And yet they realized that the greater catch was slowly walking away on the beach of the Sea of Galilee. And they left it all to follow him. We see in the story that sin is no barrier to Jesus. It, it's not something that has to make space between Jesus and others. And we see that Jesus is calling the humble, the obedient, to follow him. And that he's worth leaving everything to go after. Leave everything to follow Jesus. Now, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I love this story because this guy should not be here. I'm not sure how familiar you are with leprosy, but it's a, a term in ancient Israel for a number of super nasty skin diseases. And these were the ancient early adopters of modern day quarantine techniques. These guys, they wore face coverings over their mouth. They, they disheveled their hair so that everyone would know that they're sick. When people came close to them, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. You and me, we need space between us because I'm sick and I might get you sick. Stay away from me. I'm not clean. And they weren't even allowed into the town. They, they were on the outskirts. But this man is where he should not be. He's in town. He doesn't belong there. He's close to Jesus we would think he doesn't belong there either, but his words for Jesus is, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Which is so much more than just cure my disease. Make me clean so that once again, I can be reuni reunited with my friends and family. Because right now we have to be apart. Make me clean so once more I can go worship God in Jerusalem among his people because right now I can't. Because my uncleanness has separated me from God and from those that I love. Make me clean, Jesus. Will you save me? And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Like, ew, Jesus. He's got like sores all over his body. 
you weren't wearing gloves. You, you touched him? Yeah. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And Jesus ordered him, don't go tell anyone. Keep this quiet. But go and show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. Like go follow standard protocol in God's law. As a testimony to them, to the priests, Jesus is curing lepers. Go tell him. But keep this, keep this on the down low. And yet, news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Jesus needed space to be with his father. And a pattern that we'll see over and over in Luke and Acts is that Jesus makes space to pray and after separating himself to spend time with God, he comes and in the power of the spirit, he is healing and ministering to people in power. You'll just see that over and over again. But what we see in this story is that uncleanness, disease, it's no barrier to Jesus. Jesus saves those who ask him. He saves those who ask him. Now, now one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. The equivalent of saying the religious authorities from, you know, Oregon and southwestern Washington and Washington, D.C. had shown up. Like, like these are the important religious folk who know what's up, and they've come to check Jesus out. They've heard about him. And while they're there, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And, and some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. They, they have a friend who's paralyzed, and he needs Jesus. He needs to see Jesus. He needs to be healed by Jesus. We are bringing this guy to Jesus, but they can't because there's a barrier in the way. There's a lot of people. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, (laughs) they went up on the roof, and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Like imagine, like Jesus, they're having a conversation and all of a sudden dust from the ceiling begins to fall in and you look and there are guys ripping apart the ceiling to lower a guy, Mission Impossible style, on ropes through the ceiling to put him right in front of Jesus. Yeah, this is awesome. And of course we know the thing that we're going to see right now is Jesus is going to heal the paralytic because that's what he does. He he. He casts out demons and he heals the sick. Oh, wrong word, button, there we go. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And we, you know, I hate to counteract Jesus, but that wasn't the right thing to say, Jesus. The right thing to say was, you know, be healed. Why did he say your sins are forgiven? And some people caught on to this. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves. They're not talking about it. They're just wondering, wait a second. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, Blasphemy. You can kind of think it like trespassing on God's property, on his honor, on his stuff. The things that belong to God, you're, you're trespassing in there. Jesus is claiming authority that only God has. Only God can forgive sins. And the really smart religious people, they know this. 
and they're going, wait a second. Who are you? Who are you, Jesus? Now, Jesus knew what they were thinking. We'll see this again and again through Luke. Luke perceives the thoughts of the hearts of men. It's the same thing Simeon said he would do, that when he comes, he will reveal the thoughts of the hearts of men. And this is the first instance we see Jesus knowing what people are thinking. And so he asks them, why are you guys thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? I mean, think about that. What, what's easier? On the, on the one hand, as I think about it, it's way easier to say your sins are forgiven. I mean, who's going to fact check you on that? If you say get up and walk and the guy just stays down there, you're like, oh, you're a fraud. Okay. But if sins are something that can only be forgiven by God alone, then in reality, forgiving sins is the much harder thing to do. So it's interesting. And Jesus continues, he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, he took what he'd been lying on them, and he went home praising God. Like, clear the way. Paralyzed man walking. Praise God. God. And everyone is amazed. And they gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe. And they said, we have seen remarkable things today. They are overwhelmed by Jesus and by his goodness. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And that's the question the, the religious leaders are asking. Who would dare to claim God's authority for himself? What do you make of that? And then Jesus comes and he says, my miracles prove that I actually have authority to do this. What do you make of that? What are you going to do with Jesus? Of course, the story also highlights that Jesus comes to set people free from their sins, because it turns out we have something that is worse than disease, that is worse than uncleanness. The thing that separates us ultimately from God and from one another is our sin. Jesus has come to save people from that. Now, after this, <clears throat> Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth, and he said, follow me. And Levi got up, and he left everything, and he followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of his tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Don't you know? Don't you know people like you and people as important as the one you're following should have space between them and people like that? Don't you know you guys shouldn't be associating with the likes of them? What are you doing? Why are you hanging around those kinds of people? And Jesus answered, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hey, you, you Pharisees think that I shouldn't be associating with these kinds of people? They're the ones I came to associate with. These are my kind of people. Why? Because they need me. 
and I have what they need. They're sick, they need a doctor. <laughs> They're sinners, I've come to call them to repentance. I, I'll be honest, Pharisees, I haven't really come for you. You think you're fine, great. You, you think you're healthy, you don't need to repent, okay. I'm not here for you, I'm here for them. I've come for them. And the story just highlights social barriers. Being the wrong kind of person, that's not gonna keep you from Jesus. He's gonna save all who realize their need for him. He came to call sinners. Sinners like, like them. <laughs> sinners like me. Sinners like you. To repentance. Jesus shows us, you know what? It's, it's not our sin that separates us from him. He, he's come to take care of that. And it's not our uncleanness that separates us from Jesus. He's come to take care of that. And it's not being the wrong kind of person that'll separate us from Jesus. He, he's come for that as well. The, the only thing that will separate you from Jesus is not needing him. And they said to him, well, John's disciples often fast and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus, you're not making space between you and the wrong kind of people, and you're not making space for the right kind of actions. What's going on here? Why don't you behave like all the other good religious folk? <laughs> and Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? Bachelor party, everyone, let's be miserable. No, this is a time for celebration. I mean, sure, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they'll fast. Uh, fasting, a practice of denying yourself, especially to focus on, on prayer, to call on God to, to fix what's broken. It has a place in the life of those who follow Jesus, but not while Jesus is here. Not while he's bringing the kingdom. Not while he's setting people free. No, this is party time. We're, we're at a party. Why? Because a tax collector just chose to follow Jesus and he left everything to do it. Like this is time for feasting. And then he told him a parable. He said, guys, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. I mean, otherwise, they'll have torn the new garment. It'll be ruined. And the patch from the new won't even match the old. It won't look great. You're going to ruin both of them. You try to do something silly like that. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. I mean, otherwise, the new wine will, will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine has to be poured into new wineskins. You know, uh, if you see at the sports celebrations when they pop the champagne bottles and fizz goes everywhere, it's because the fermentation process creates pressure. So you put that in skins, which will stretch, and you're good. But if you put wine into already stretched skins, there's no more room, and like a balloon, they'll just pop. Everything will be ruined. Like, essentially, like, this new thing and these old things are not compatible. And, and no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. They say the old's better. And Jesus is saying, Pharisees, I'm not here for you. You guys represent the old system. You think, one, that these are people I shouldn't be associating with. That the things that I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing. Like you have your mindset and you know what? You're happy with it. You're really happy. You've tried the old. You like it. You're, you're well, you say. You're righteous, you say. Well, fine, I'm not here for you. Because what I'm bringing is something brand new, something that you have no framework for. Because I'm looking at these sinners that you avoid, and they're exactly the kind of people I want to spend time with. And I look at the unclean that, that you avoid, and they're the people that I've come to save. 
And, and I look at the outcasts and those, those type of people that you avoid, and no, they're my kind of people because I'm here to save them. You guys just don't want me. All right? Jesus, he's bringing God's kingdom. <laughs> it's, it's cause for celebration. Levi threw a party. We should throw a party. When people follow Jesus, guys, let's, let's just, let's celebrate. And we just see that Jesus is something brand new, something incompatible with the old ways of thinking. You know, I know some people and they think, I can't, I can't be part of church. I can't, I can't come to God. I, I'm too dirty. I'm too stained. I'm too guilty. You don't know what I've done. It's, it's really bad. God can't love me. No, the truth is, actually, you're exactly the kind of people that Jesus came to love. That there's nothing that you have ever done nor ever could do that could possibly take you beyond the reach of the grace of Jesus, the Messiah. He came to save sinners just like you. Your sin cannot separate you from him. Your pride can, but not your sin. He came to deal with that. Go away from me, Lord, Simon Peter says. I'm a sinful man. You and I, we need space from each other. And Jesus says, no, I'm the important kind of person that doesn't need space from the likes of you. I want you. I will touch you, though you are gross and dirty right now, and I will make you clean. I will welcome you, though you're the kind of people that no one else wants to associate with because <laughs> you're a lying, cheating, you know, that kind of guy. No, no, come spend time with me. I'm going to welcome you. But of course, some people don't think that they need Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, is that your sins don't separate you from Jesus and uncleanness won't separate you and being the wrong just kind of person won't separate you because Jesus came to save sinners just like you and, and just like me. And, and so come to Jesus, folks. There's nothing stopping you. All, all barriers between you and God, between you and Jesus have been cleared away. He came for the likes of you and me. And maybe this morning you just want to come and learn more about Jesus. Great. But maybe this morning you want to come to him Despite the fact that you think you don't deserve it, that, that he's too good for you, I, well, yeah, he is, but he came for you. You're exactly the kind of person he wants to spend time with. You're a sinner, great, he came for sinners. You're unclean and dirty, fantastic, he came to save you. You're just the wrong kind of person. Here's the, the, the reality, we are all the wrong kind of people. And he came for us anyway. He wants to party with us. He wants to call us to repentance so that we can belong to him. And the only people that he's not going to spend time with are the ones who don't want him to. <laughs> so, you know, you may not think you need Jesus, and, and if so, then I wish you the best. What are you doing here? We are a bunch of people who say we need Jesus. So guys, come to Jesus. Come and just admit, you know, yeah, we've done wrong. <laughs> we're, we're dirty, and we're stained, and we're guilty, and, and we're a mess. We're just a mess. And receive the forgiveness Jesus wants to give you. And then come follow him. Don't let anything stop you. Because Jesus has cleared all the barriers away from you being able to come to him. And so don't let anything stop you from going to him. I mean, the fishermen left the catch of their lives to follow the catch of their life. And, and we see the, the men who are friends with the paralytic, <laughs> like we are going to do, we are going to break the ceiling to bring our friend to Jesus because Jesus is going to save him. And, and Levi is going to leave a highly lucrative career 
because someone far more valuable has called him to follow him. Let us not let anything keep us from following Jesus. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's that lucrative career. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's a relationship that makes you think, I I can't follow Jesus because I can't give this up. But the reality is, Jesus is worth so much more. And following him, as we learn in the chapters ahead, is not going to be easy. It will not always be pleasant. It'll just be, you know, good and more meaningful and more satisfying and better than any other option you have. So let's follow Jesus and let nothing stop us. But of course, if you don't think you need Jesus, well, all right then, we'll see ya. Because Jesus, you know, our sins don't separate him, separate us from him, and, and our uncleanness won't separate us from him. Our pride in thinking we don't need him will. But he came to save sinners just like us. And of course, for, for those of us who want to follow Jesus, who look at him and say, you are our example for how life ought to be lived, then, then here's some lessons from the story. Let us go to the outcasts and to the disreputable and spend time with them. Let us love the unclean and do what we can to heal them because that's what Jesus did. And, and whether that's your neighbor, maybe that's the person down the street, maybe, well, I mean, let me, let me tell a story for me. Here, it's a good thing I was preaching on Luke 5. I had this in mind because yesterday when I pulled up to this church building, there's a homeless guy who's camped on the back patio. And I say, hey, good morning. And he says, hey, good morning. I know you've told me I can't camp here. And I know it's not allowed, but I didn't have anywhere to go. And people were chasing me. And I'm just like, I'm stuck. And and I need to get my shoes on. And and I can't. I need to be able to sit down. And, And this guy is a mess. He's messy. He's stinky. He has soiled himself and, and the building and, and the concrete around him. He's not in a good place. Jesus came to save people like him. The ones that are too dirty that we don't really want to touch. Believe me, the ones that we want to keep our, our distance from. But I, but I grabbed a stool for him and, and he sat down to get his shoes on and we got talking and he said that he, he knew the Lord. And I went, fantastic. Let me remind you of the Lord. Let me just remind you that the Bible says that the things that have you trapped don't separate you from God, that Jesus came to save you, that he loves you, that you have value and worth, that, that he wants to call you to join him, to be healed by him, and then to live your life in service to him and, and others. Let me remind you that, yes, you are trapped It's not that you don't have money. You have money. There are other things in your life that control you. And so days after you've received your monthly check, it's all gone because of things like alcohol and women and others. Jesus wants to free you from that. So just come to him and be accepted by him and then by his people. Because what you really need is you need a home. You need a community of people who actually will love you. (laughs) Like like God wants to love you. You you need a a purpose in, in life. And Jesus wants to give you all that. And he just shared, man, I just really needed to hear that today. And three years ago, I couldn't have had that conversation with him. Um, He would have grossly intimidated me. And and so maybe for you, the the thing is, you just need to be willing to talk to a stranger at the park who's not dirty. (laughs) Just someone you don't know who's wearing a mask during this time of COVID. Maybe just say hi. Maybe that's the first step. 
to learning to love those who are on the outside. Like what, whatever that next step is. And as the guy was, was going, I mean, one praise God, uh, Alex has transformed the clothes closet. So I was able to give him like a clean pair of jeans. And, and he says, let, I, I'll come back and I'll, I'll hose this area down. I'm like, let me get it. Because I've been reading that Jesus came to, to clean what was unclean. I can take care of this. And I said, let me pray for you. And I remember that Jesus touched a leper <laughs> without gloves. And so I lay my hand on a homeless guy's shoulder and I just pray and I ask God to save him. To, to release him from the things that are binding him, that he would repent and come to Jesus and that, that God would transform his life and that one day he'd come back to us and he'd share the story of what God has done in his life and that we would throw a huge party because Jesus came to save sinners. And, and I'm no better than the guy. I needed Jesus too. And that was, that was my story this week and it, just, it was amazing. I was like, God, thank you for Luke 5 because... I don't know what I would have done had I not been going through this. I don't know what it is, what it is for you this week, but, but God, God loves you. And he loves them. So let's celebrate today because you know what? <laughs> Jesus was so important that he didn't need space between us and him. He came for sinners. <laughs> They're his kind of people. And he came for those who are icky and messy and unclean. They're his kind of people. And he came for those who don't belong anywhere else. They're Jesus' kind of people. Because he, he came to save sinners. Just like you. Just like me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, we wouldn't have believed it had it not happened. That you loved a world that was broken and messy and against you. That you actually, you care about people who hate you. And so you sent Jesus to save the world. You sent Jesus to save the likes of us. Lord, we don't, we don't deserve to come to your son. He is truly too good for us. But the reality, the actual truth is he's so good that he is for us. Lord, let us repent. Let us come to Jesus. Because there's nothing stopping us save perhaps that we think we don't need him. And Father, I pray for this community, um, both those who are here, for those who live around here, that we would be people who let nothing stop us from following Jesus and that you would teach us day by day not only to love your son, to love Jesus, but then to love like him and to become like him in our thoughts and in our actions and in the ways that we accept sinners and we accept those who are messy and dirty and unclean, and we accept the wrong kinds of people, and we welcome them into the repentant, joy-filled, whole life that Jesus has brought for us. Father, would you let that happen? And today, let us celebrate your goodness. Let us celebrate the repentance of sinners like us. And let us worship you, because you're worth it. You're the best catch of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.